sane storming. Brainstorming sane ideas for a complex world. No fluff here, just quality, thought-provoking content. Hi everyone out there, welcome back for another session of Sane Storming. Sane Storming is brainstorming ways to keep us sane. Today I want to talk about a very interesting topic, something that's actually partially at least non-clinical, meaning that it's not really talked about in the psychology books per se. And in general, we don't hear a lot about it. And sadly, it's not something that's studied much either. And that is none other than talking about true character, the building of true character, rather. Is there a difference between the pers personality traits and character traits? I mean, everything in psychology that we know of is a personality disorder, is personality, personality, split personality, right? Borderline personality. But have you ever had heard of a character disorder? I never heard of that. So I think this is going to be interesting and fun, but nonetheless, it's going to be fundamental as well. Before I get into this and I take it apart, the first question is like this. I mean, if it's not mainstream psychology, then why am I really talking about it? And the answer is precisely that. In other words, no doubt you guys know I value and I use psychology, psychological principles, but... The ones that I really value and talk about are after I filter out what I believe, again, what I believe to be consistent with my values and my priorities, my value system as an, and as a, as an observant Jew. And so that's first of all, that's the first reason why I'm fine going and talking out of the box. Secondly, the reality of this program is to be real, sincere, and practical. You know, I know I chose that funny opening with the announcer saying, no fluff here, just pure content. And let me tell you, as much as I'm a student and preacher of psychology and the science of human behavior, I got to tell you that this field can be one of the most fluffiest sciences out there. You know, if we can call it a science. So my job here in this show is to weed out the fluff and make ideas and concepts as concrete, pertinent, and meaningful as possible. So that's what I'm here for, and let's get it done. So back to tonight's topic, building of true character. Now, why doesn't psychology ever talk about that concept? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, it's really interesting if you think about it. Right? Mainstream psychology and human behavior talk about all types of things, uh, all types of disorders, all types of aspects. Uh, rarely will you hear anything directly about character and character building. There are, there are ways that it's applicable, and we will talk about that later, but that's number one question. Number two, what exactly is character? We talk about character, right? Um, what is character? How does or does character differ than a personality? And number three, how does one attain good character from a psychological perspective? The truth is, I decided to make this into a two-part series. 
I'm going to try, at least. I'm going to try to get it done in two parts. If not two, then three, but hopefully two. Part one, tonight's podcast, is going to be more historical uh, and more of a background of modern psychology. But the reason I'm going to go into this with you tonight is because I think it's important for anybody that's out there that's listening to this program is obviously has an interest in, in psychology. I think it's important to understand the background and to get a good overview and perspective on psychology it's in general, its benefits, and uh, yes, its shortcomings, and what I believe to be sometimes what it's lacking. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And it, you won't only use it for this, for character. I think it will give a nice context to a lot of the concepts that we talk about uh, when we talk about the DSM, right, the diagnostic uh, criteria that we use to diagnose. Part two is going to be more specific to character and character traits and what defines them and how does one attain it uh, how that might fit with modern-day psychology. So let's get started on our part one. So building good, solid character is something most of us are familiar with, probably more through a religious lens, lens than anything else, right? We're all familiar with learning Musser and all that kind of stuff, and, and that's really what our belief is built on, is perfecting character. I shouldn't use the word perfecting because... Um, nothing's perfect, and uh, let's not get let's not go there. But improving character and working on character and building character. But in the world of psychology and human behavior, that's definitely something that has taken a backseat in the field, uh, a backseat, or better yet, uh, it's more like in the trunk. And there's a few reasons for that. Okay, and I'm going to get to those reasons. But first, I want to give you this background here on the roots of psychology and its um and its ongoing development. Yeah, because this field is very much a work in progress. It is still being developed. Okay, so you can kind of consider this the inside scoop or what psychology doesn't really want you to know type thing. But so let's spend a couple minutes on this background. So psychology really has been around forever for the past two thousand years. The thing is back then it was really much more known, not as psychology, but what we refer to today as ancient philosophy. Now, it's not exactly the same thing, but it is the same thing, or at least very similar. I'll explain what I mean. You see, the idea of philosophy, we always hear about philosophy, the Greek philosophy, that, Aristotle, um, all the different philosophies. What is this philosophy? I always wonder, like, what in the world is this philosophy? Are we, you know, the, fa the only philosophy that I know of is if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? <laughs> so is that what we're talking about when we talk about philosophy? So the idea of philosophy, really, in a, in a very superficial nutshell, is making sense of the world and nature through certain principles. Making sense of it all through certain principles and rules and uh, concepts. Now today, we sort of call this science. That's really what we refer to it as. That was really philosophy, uh, at least one major component of philosophy. Now, Let's go here. Once you try explaining things such as nature, the universe, the solar system, and you start 
getting into the philosophy, the logic, the natural principles, the system, right? So by definition, you're going to do that with almost every aspect of the universe, Okay, so how about what happens when you start examining the human person and the human mind? You can examine it through that exact same lens. So really, psychology was a component of the philosophy of old. But through more recent years, and when I say recent, I mean uh, the past couple hundred years ago, this science of human behavior started morphing into its own subject. And a whole slew of characters started popping up all over the place with all kinds of ideas. Um, you know, you had the fellow who believed he can cure uh, psychiatric ailments uh, through somehow through gravity. I mean, there was all types of people with all types of theories and hypotheses about uh, psychology. And, and bear in mind, by the way, when I say psychology becoming a subject of his own, a lot of it was driven by the need, the, the need for the masses to figure out what to do with the mentally ill and with those with, um, with deviant behaviors. So that was a big driving force. You know, you have a demand and you need to, um, you need to study it so you know how to treat it. So what happened was closer to the 1880s, it started to take a form of a real science, you know, with courses and gave it the same kind of legitimacy as the same kind of platform as any other science or any other uh, subject that you need to study in a mainstream university. So let's keep in mind that as much as psychology is supposed to be an, unbi an unbiased understanding of the mind, Right Again, it was mainly driven to treat the ailments. So now, here's something that happened after that period of 1880 uh, or into the 1900s. And it, this kind of changed everything. And it, it impacted the founding of psychology for better or for worse. And that ripple effect and that foundation is something that's with us until today. So what am I referring to? I'm referring to a fellow named Sigmund Freud. I think we've all heard of him uh, in some way or another, right? There's even that Freudian slip expression that we, that we know of. So let me talk about him for a minute. Not that I'm too excited to talk about him, but it's important for, to bring out the point. Because Sigmund Freud, at the end of the day, I got to say, he, he, he was a real, um, he was a nutcase in a way. He, you know, as non-politically correct as that sounds, he was, he, he had his issues. But he brought something to the table, something very important to the table. You see, he introduced what we now know as psychodynamic therapy, which, by the way, is not as popular as it once was. Um, it's, it makes some, some will argue it's making a comeback, but I want to give you just an example, a basic example of, uh, where this goes and the nature of this kind of, uh, uh, this kind of orientation. Uh, and I'm going to be a little facetious here, but let me give you an example. Let's say you have an adult with a fear of heights. Okay. I picked that because I'm going to give you a little self-disclosure here. I am, uh, I don't do well with heights at all, for that matter. So 
if you go with a psychodynamic theory, Freud might say, and again, this isn't really true. I'm just trying to give you an idea. Uh, it's, it's, it isn't really true, but it is true. But Freud would say, you know why I have that fear of heights? It's because one day when I was uh, three or four years old, I was in my mom's kitchen and I was trying to climb up on the table and I broke a vase. And boy, was my mom mad. She came over. She gave me a big slap. And now years later, my subconscious mind, and please listen to that key word right there, subconscious mind, decided that heights remind me sort of of that incident in the kitchen. And therefore, it will forever be afraid of all heights. Now, I'm oversimplifying it, but but not really. So... This is really, as scary as Freud was, he basically coined a concept which has stuck, and much of psychology is built upon that, and that is the notion of the subconscious mind. Meaning, we all have two minds, in a way. You know, talk about split personalities disorder. Um, We have a conscious mind, and another mind that we really aren't consciously aware of. And it has, I guess, shall we say, a mind of its own. Now, this idea, at least in the psychology world, really stuck, and thus modern psychology was born. So here's the thing, and I got to tell you, getting back to our question, I have a theory about this, and I could be wrong, but you have to know some other not-such-great stuff about Freud. Some of Freud's subconscious mind stuff is very out of line, and I say that in a... Uh, I'm being conservative when I say that. I mean, Halavaya would all be about climbing up on the kitchen table, but unfortunately it's not. A lot of his stuff is very unkosher for this podcast, to say the least. I mean, if there is a rating on it, we, um, we're talking... Uh, a lot more than uh, a warning of your discretion is advised. You know what I'm saying? So going back to our original question about good character and why don't we hear more about it, I mean, you would think they completely missed an entire aspect of human behavior. So I say this. We have this finding father of psychology that created this concept of the subhuman mind. Excuse me, I'm sorry, the subconscious mind. Uh, my bad, Freudian slip there. Not bad, huh? Anyway, so we need the subconscious mind part, right? It's really important. It, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of what has shaped psychology today, even though, by the way, we can get into this a different time. After Freud, there was a major pushback. There was a major pushback by uh, many other researchers in the field that they said, this stuff is nuts. Uh, people are built more on practical behaviors and cognitions, and um, that's what we're seeing more of today. And that was that pushback that came after that. Nevertheless, he is given a lot of credit for this concept. So you got to realize that as much as Freud brought the subconscious mind but there was a lot of stuff enmeshed into his doctrine that was really not what we would say anything but good character. 
right? So what kind of evolved is this concept of good and evil. Good and evil, that tends to be swept under the carpet. Like, you know, there's almost an unwritten kind of like uh, separation of church and state, or in our case, a separation of character traits and personality traits, right? And that sort of leads into the non-judgmental doctrine that we're that we're familiar with, you know, you can't judge. Um, everyone has their own their own process. Uh, everything is relative, you know. And then you, you know, I'm not going to be ashamed to say it. There's a lot more of that liberal kind of rhetoric. So that's just one angle of why I feel um, you don't see much of this character stuff. And of course, the other more obvious angle is that who determines what good character is, right? Is that sociological or is that religion-based? So basically it gets way too complicated for the psychologist, so we kind of just shun it out. Last but not least, I hate to say it, but it's true, so I will. And again, I started talking about this the other day about the DSM, which is the diagnostic code of, basically it's the diagnostic code that outlines the various cluster of symptoms which create a diagnosis. Political policy, by the way, and you need to know this, political policy plays a huge role in the psychological principles of the DSM, and I would argue more than any other science. And it's, it's a little bit frightening, right? Because, and that's part of the, why you see the DSM changing uh, diagnoses and changing symptoms, and it's, it's really scary. Um, you know, to me it is anyway, because you see how convoluted it is in certain ways. Now, we do find it in other sciences as well, how politics kind of start influencing the actual science. Take uh, global warming, for example, right? Oh my gosh, the politics there is such a, put such a really strong role, and then you have all these scientists that are you know, giving up their lives and proving that no global warming exists and you have people on the other side. So it's definitely out there. There's always that political aspect. But with psychology, um, it's even it's even more so. So I had a lot of fun this session. I think there was I think it was it was a necessary first step. Uh, next session will be a lot more hands on. As we do part two, hopefully it'll just be a part two and we won't need a part three. When we talk more about character traits versus personality traits, how one goes about that pursuit of self-improvement and how, unbeknown to many, psychology and human behavior does play a huge role in this process. So stay tuned for part two. Um, it was really great having you guys as always. Have a great night. Hope to see you guys again soon. Thanks a lot.